Hello and welcome to the podcast where we get together every other week hey. and we talk about a band and we go through their whole discography and we rank them and we just, you know, listen to music and talk about it. Guys, we're so excited. Okay, and I know last time I said that we were going to have a name, but uh, we don't have a name yet. Um, I, 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 we started one and then it kind of got messed up, but I, I'm working on it. Um, yeah. I guess we should introduce who we are. Um, I'm Nick Moffat. I'm Shannon McLean. Yeah, we're we're married. We're a married couple. Full disclosure, we are uh, in a relationship uh, of um, marital marital law or whatever. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, we're here uh, with uh, Toby Grunthal. Uh, how are you doing today, Toby? I'm doing mighty fine. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm really stoked about this. The band that we chose for this week um, is is a classic hip-hop group, uh, Outkast. Um, Super excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about talking about Outkast. You know, so, I mean, when we first were wanting to do this this episode, you know, we wanted to have Toby on, and we had heard um, through uh, mutual colleagues uh, that, you know, you would be a great guest on the show and that you're kind of a hip-hop expert in some ways. Um, uh our coworker uh, Jennifer Willoughby, who was also on this episode or on this podcast a few episodes ago, uh, she did Taylor Swift, and I kind of feel like, kind of feel like you can't get any more different than Taylor Swift and Outcast. Perhaps, but well, I'm way. happy that you picked a rap artist that is very clearly within my field of expertise, which is the '90s, because well, I'm old. <laughs> Well, I mean, part of this was, you know, we collaborated on who to pick together. And yeah. Shannon wanted to do Outcast, And uh, I mean, you, you kind of grew up listening to Outcast, Yeah, I did. And I think um, my list tonight is going to be largely informed by my biographical relationship with those rec- records coming out. Um, or something else I wanted to say, but I don't know what it was. You can edit that out later. Thanks. I, um, I'm actually kind of nervous, you guys. I'm usually nervous, but not like this. Like, I'm, I, okay, we should just, go, we should just go in. Yeah. We should explain the rules of the show. Yes. Um, well, first, we should do some warm-up questions, right? Ooh. Because we, uh, we have these warm-up questions. So, basically, uh, yeah, why, why don't you lay out the show? Like you normally okay, do. I mean, I feel like we're already halfway there. Yeah. So, you- so basically, we all collectively agreed to do Outcast, um, and then we went our separate ways and we listened through the dis- their discography chronologically. Here we are coming back. We made our list of favorite to least favorite albums. Or best to worst, depending on who you are. Yeah. And now we are going to go through our lists, our individual lists. And at the end, we will make a master list. Yeah, we'll we'll combine them into an ultimate ranking, ultimate of, ranking. Uh, of Outcast. And the thing about Outcast is that they won't, they only have six albums. Um, so this I think will be our shortest of uh, complete discographies. But uh, before we jump into um, to uh, Outcast um, and their album rankings, um, I just want to set the table for who Outcast is. You know, I'll be saying a bunch of tables during this episode, but <laughs> you know, Outcast is one of the most influential. Uh, 
biggest, most well-known uh, hip-hop groups from the South. Um, you know, they came up in a time where it was a lot of East Coast versus West Coast, and uh, they were one of the most prominent uh, hip-hop influences coming out of uh, Georgia and the South, and kind of um, built up that scene and made that scene more well-known. Um, it's Outcast is Andre 3000 and Big Boy. Um, they're based out of Atlanta. They're active from uh, 1992 through 2006. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to point out one thing that I thought was pretty cool is listening to them, how many like up and coming artists they had, like Erica Badu and Killer Mike and CeeLo Green and Janelle Monet. Like yeah. these people that are like kind of legends now were just like up and coming with, with Outcast. So, um, Alan, Toby, do you have anything to add to that uh, that that quick uh, setup? I think that's a pretty succinct description of what we're dealing with. Um, cool. Yeah. Well, um, then let's do some quick warm up questions because I, you know I I kind of have fun with these and um, if we just uh, you know wanted to go around real quick, um, do you guys have a yeah. best or favorite uh, opening track? And not not including their intros, because I feel like on almost every album they have like a, you know, a silly or whatever intro that's non not non musical. It's just like a. Thank you for bringing this up. I was actually struggling with that warm up question when you threw it out there because, like you said, they're the intros. Um, some of them are silly. Others are uh, very musical, and it's um, just lucky that I think my. Favorite intro is also on the same album as my favorite opening track. Ooh. Cool. What is it? Uh, I would vote for AT Aliens um, with You May Die as the intro and Two Dope Boys. Cool. The opening track. S same with me. Oh, good job, you same guys. Cool answer. Yeah. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> I can listen to that song all day. That's one of those songs that just like, creates the mood yeah and uh you could just gosh have it going and going and going Love that's it. really cool i said uh gasoline dreams personally Interesting. not gonna argue with that that's a great song i don't know it was just it just got me i don't blame you um well what about closing tracks then toby Ooh, um, I feel like closing tracks was a lot harder it is harder i agree because it really needs to either make a nice bow around the whole album um, or needs to go out with a bang in a way. And I, I do have to say that I struggle a little bit with this. That being said, and for reasons that be, will become evident when we're talking about the album at length, I might go with um, Growing Old on the AT Aliens again. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, do, would you say that one goes out with a bang, or a, uh, or ties the whole album up? Well, when we when we think about albums as really complete works of art rather than an accumulation of singles, I think that AT Aliens is such a succinct, tight piece of art. Um, and I think that Growing Old is a wonderful closer to it. Cool. Um, I had in mine as uh, Skankonia off of the mm. album Skankonia. Cool. Um, just because, 
six minutes of coolness basically i just feel like that i feel like that is one where it ties the album up and it has like themes that kind of relate to a bunch of other tracks on the album and uh kind of ties the whole thing together so yeah i went with skinkonia was kind of torn and this is this is interesting i really just i really Okay, my answer's a little weirder. I really liked a bad note on Idlewild because <laughs> it was just like eight minutes of like guitar solo and I just thought it was a cool song. Okay, cool. Cool, go for it. Um, okay, best or favorite radio single, which is different than favorite song because, you know, Outkast had a bunch of huge, huge singles. So something that you might actually hear on the radio or heard on the radio. Um, what do you think, Toby? Um, well, it would have to be a song that was a lot on the radio, but has managed to not annoy me. Otherwise, I would never be able to call it best. Um, I would have to go with Hey Ya. That song is a hit through and through, whether you personally like the song or not. Um, it's instantly with singable, um, recognizable, and so catchy. I also said that, and I was like just second guessing myself just now, but everything you said reaffirms that. <laughs> so good <laughs> yeah i mean uh i i've often said that everyone likes hey ya like that's just one of those songs that everyone likes you can be you want a craft beer with your answer nick what do you want a craft beer with your answer a craft beer yeah um i, I don't know what you mean Did I, Sorry, you were just setting it up as being too mainstream for an answer, so I'm curious what's coming. Oh no, 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 no! I, I wasn't. Um, I no, no. I, I. That's why I have, a, I have Hey Ya or Miss Jackson. I have like both of those on there, like because to me, like those are, like those are, they're two of the biggest singles I've ever heard, and I don't think, I don't think those songs get old. You know, like I mean, mm -hmm. like. Miss Jackson's dated in some ways, but in other ways, I'm like, I've been listening to it the last few weeks and just like still super into it. And, uh, you know, like everyone's heard the like, I am for real. Like everyone knows that, yeah. but it's like, it's still super fun to sing and say. So no, no, I, I wasn't trying to be a hipster. I, I far from it. I'm right there with you guys. Everyone likes Hey Ya for good reason. It's a great song. It's a great single. It's phenomenal. That's how I feel about it. So yeah, we were just having a conversation about Hey because uh, Nick is generally the person um, who requests that at weddings or or is randomly like DJing weddings yeah, no, and I, playing. I always re that's my wedding request song. But then upon further investigation, that song is actually very sad. You know, it's not a. Uh, it's not a like love, you know, well, it's is great not, song. Like, necessarily sad. I don't know. I mean, like looking at the lyrics, it's like, you know, <laughs> I don't have them in front of me. I wish I did. Um, but uh, the webs. Let's see. Well, I was thinking it's like the good, it's almost like a good wedding song for single people. <laughs> I think it's like all the single ladies is a wedding song in a lot, in know, a lot of ways, but a like, lot of people go to the wedding to hook up. You know, uh, there's that line though. Uh, oh yeah, I hear what you're saying. This is kind of sad. <laughs> um, 
you know what they say it's nothing lasts forever that what makes it that what makes it what makes it that what makes love the exception <laughs> you know like yeah that is like explicitly anti-wedding <laughs> right right you know that's anti like like love isn't gonna last forever <laughs> so like what am i doing requesting that at a wedding <laughs> I'm, I'm into you guys, it. I assume you're familiar with uh, the Ice Cube song, It Was a Good Day, right? Yeah. Do you guys know that there's a remix of that song that samples a stapled singer's song and is very happy and joyful musically? No. I recommend you check it out. And um, people have really divided opinions about which beat is more fitting for the mood of the song, right? Where somebody talks about it was a good day because nobody that I know got shot and the police are not roaming through my neighborhood today. Mm. I think you could in the same way talk about Hey Ya is something that plays off that contrast and maybe like other great wedding favorites like I'll Be Watching You by Sting and the Police. It's just not what most people take it for. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's one, like, that's one of the beautiful things about pop music in a lot of ways. You know, there's the famous, like, quote from High Fidelity, you know, uh, people worry about kids watching violent videos and having some sort of culture of violence take over them, but no one ever worries about kids listening to thousands, literally thousands of songs about heartbreak, rejection, pain, misery, and loss. And do I listen to pop music because I'm miserable or am I miserable because I listen to pop music, you know? And it's yeah. it's like that thing where, like, catchy stuff um you make something super catchy so you listen to it a bunch and it's infectious but also what makes it good is that it comes from real emotion and real emotion is usually like the thing that most people are writing about is like you know is a sad thing but anyway uh hey uh, is a great song it's a great song <laughs> At the end of the day, are you coming down on the side of Hey Ya as well, rather than Mr. Jackson? Um, in terms of radio single, um, yeah, I mean, Hey Ya is still the song that I'm going to request our weddings, regardless of it not being a wedding song. If anything, now I get to have like a little inside joke with myself whenever I do request our weddings. And everybody runs to the dance floor because it's an awesome song. Yeah. And, but you know, to be honest, to be honest, what am I more likely to turn on? Miss yeah. Jackson. Like, like I think that song might be a better, like in terms of radio signal, a single, like I'm more inclined to listen to it at my house than Hey Ya. So I, I'm, I, I know I'm kind of not giving you a real answer, but. Yeah. No, I can also see you putting that on at a wedding rather than Hey Ya. So, um, <laughs> um, okay, so uh do you guys have a favorite uh album artwork anything like that i mean i think mine was stankonia mine's stankonia it's just too. like really like stark imagery i and, don't know it was, it was fairly it was more simple than like some of their other albums i couldn't help but be moved a little bit by skankonia you know just to peel back the current a little bit um you know, we're recording this like a week after the election and I was listening to Outcast a lot, you know, during the election week and to have like this album by two dudes from Georgia, Atlanta, you know, black guys like standing in front of the American flag and this album that to me is like pure like America in a lot of ways. Like I think they're singing like a lot about American concepts 
and um, you know, but it's not necessarily super political, but it still feels very American. It's like the American dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, I just I thought that cover was awesome. Yeah. And Stonston Conia from my end as well. There's none cool. that's better in the artwork. I do like the split artwork that they did for Speaker Box, The Love Below. Yeah. Um, but that album is so torn in and of itself. As you guys know from our prior discussions, I have yeah. trouble thinking about it as one piece, even though I have to revise that opinion, I think, after going through this process with you. Um, <laughs> it's only that I need to, uh, to thank you for making me re-listen and re-evaluating it. But yeah, in terms of artwork, I think Stinkonia is such a powerful, simple, scaled-back artwork. A lot of the albums from the 90s that I really like have, in my opinion, pretty terrible artwork. Um, I do think that, for instance, Doggy Styles cover, the first Snoop album, is terrible. And I also think that both Equimini and AT Aliens have a cover that shows an idea that is not matched by uh, artistic ability. Hmm. Yeah, I I think that um, a lot of those 90s albums, uh, the covers try to go for the same aesthetic, which yeah. is nice when you're making a Spotify playlist with, uh, with uh, 90s hip hop albums and uh, they all kind of look the same and it makes the four corners look kind of cool <laughs> because they, they, they flow together. But, um, but yeah, I, I also think that almost makes them indistinguishable in some ways. Can I tell you what my least favorite cover was? Sure. The Idlewild cover just drove me crazy. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's kind of goofy. Yeah. It's very strange. I don't know. I, I we'll, we'll get to Idlewild. We'll get but, to it. Um, so, um, Toby, have you seen, did you have the opportunity to see Outcast live at any point? Sadly enough, I never did. Um, Since they do reunion shows every now and then, it's not too late. Yeah, it's definitely not too late. Um, from what I understand, they only did like brief, uh, they did like a brief, very small tour in 2014. And uh, the rumor, like the footage doesn't really exist anymore. I guess it was mostly just at Coachella and the reviews though were that Andre was just not into it. <laughs> like um, that's just the the general review was that Big Boy was you know killing it, but Andre was just kind of checked out the whole time. But um, um, I got to see Big Boy um, in, in Seattle when he was touring off of uh, Sir Lucius' left foot after after Outcast broke up. But um, where did was, he play? What was that? Where did he play at the Showbox? It was the Showbox Soto. Cool. And it was it was a pretty cool night. I like went to uh, I was covering um, uh, just I was writing for music reviews for uh, blogs at the time, and I went to see um, um, a DJ at the Triple Door, and I was sitting next to this lady, and it was like a music festival, like but it was all around town. Yeah. And um, she she was working for a magazine that helped sponsor the the music festival. And so then uh, I she brought me over to see Big Boy, and she was like this lady that's like twenty years older than me. But she was like, I want to go, but I also don't want to go by myself. And I was like, 
sure you know like i can accompany you to big boy <laughs> so it was like <laughs> it was uh also going from the triple door which is like a dine-in sort of venue i don't know if you guys have been there but it's like classy classy and then going to you know the soto where like it just kind of an area of seattle where it feels like a fight could break out at any moment um uh you know just it was cool seeing it, like big boy was awesome though like so much energy like crowd was like just digging it it was very very cool when you start writing the screenplay to your first indie movie, I hope you will use this as a setup. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. Um, okay, so I mean, I think we should just jump right in though. Um, jump right in after we've talked for like 20 minutes about random things. But yeah, I think we should go into our yeah. album rankings. I'm, I'm um, ready. So we've got, we've got six albums. We're not doing any live albums. Uh, we are not doing any uh, compilations. They did have a greatest hits that we're not uh, including. Speaking um, of not doing that, we are spared of having to talk about uh, the whole world, and I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, was that the song that was on like just the greatest hits exclusively? It was. Wasn't Killer Mike on that song too? I no. Think so too. Yes. You, you don't like that song. Oh, did that come through? Yeah, no, I hate that song. It was on MTV all the time. Um, they have a really colorful video where they play around in some kind of circus sideshow environment. And I hate that song. And um, <laughs> maybe maybe to frontload us right away, I'm not the biggest fan of Stinkonia. And to me, the whole world is kind of the natural development of everything that I don't like about Stinkonia, no. the nth degree. Cool. Yeah. Not. I'm so. Uh, Just kidding. I know. I'm so, I'm, I'm so excited to hear what you guys have to say. I'm also like nervous because like, I feel like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> well, there, there, are a couple, there are a couple other things that we should man mention that, um, uh, we were, you know, Toby was alluding to it before. Uh, Outcast's fifth album is Speakerbox slash The Love Below. And we were considering splitting that up and including them as two albums because it basically is two albums. It's a double album, but one half of it is Big Boy's album and the other half of it is Andre 2000's album. And they're, they're basically two solo albums, which the, the, the other member makes appearances on but we ultimately decided to include them as one as they were released because they were they were they were released that way they count as one we're doing outcast we're not doing outcast and associates full rankings we're not including any other big boy solo albums andre did not have any other solo albums though so that is something to keep in mind to consider um after they broke up andre didn't put any anything else out but doesn't mean he still couldn't, but um, that's just something that uh, pulling the current back a little bit. That's something that we were considering, and we ended up just including it as one album. So um, yeah, we have six albums to go through, and uh, Shan's gonna go first. Oh, uh, punting. So one thing that we do, we uh, if someone has an album higher on the list, then we punt it, which means we'll come back to it when it's at its highest. Uh, we do this every episode, and we took it from the top ten show where they do they they call it a punt. Um, we try to come up with a fun, a fun uh, verbiage, a fun theme, a fun phrase to say um, 
for like for every for every artist. So uh, Toby, you came up with this one. I believe so. Um, so I think given that this is probably their biggest hit, uh, we will just chime in and say, I'm sorry, Nick Moffat. <laughs> Very good. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. I'm ready. Love it. I love it. Okay, so Shan's going to go first. Shan, what is your number six? You guys, I'm so sorry. I want to do the weak thing and disclose that I don't think there's any really bad Outcast albums. Uh, that being said, my number six was AT Aliens. I'm so wow. sorry. I, I'm... I'm sorry, Miss <laughs> McLean. <laughs> I'm like so disappointed. I know, <laughs> and I, I know, I know, I know, and I, I hope we don't get a divorce, Toby. No, I hope you still yeah. like me no, or fine. respect me at all. But no, that fine. is the way. It's that fine. is the way my list came together, you guys. It's fine. And the, the thing is, sometimes like, people are just wrong, and they're wrong in their wrongness, and that's okay. Yeah, and. You know, it, I fully accept that. <laughs> it's a funny thing to consider is that in that, like, I mean, I feel like maybe this would be a good time to say that, like, um, you know, Toby, you're you're like an outcast expert in a lot of ways, and like, I'm definitely, I'm definitely not. You know, I um, I listened to a couple of their albums, but a lot of this is new to me, and I feel like Shannon's in a similar it's, boat. I think it's interesting that you have um, leading up to this uh, on several occasions referred to me as an outcast expert which i find very humbling and as you were saying this and heaping praise uh, upon me uh, in those few moments of clarity in between feeling really good about myself i just reflected on how i really i think i know my stuff around 90s rap music and it's very informative that the further we get into the 2000s the less informed I feel about Outcast as well. Uh, so I don't know how much I am an Outcast expert, but my opinions, and I have several of them, and they are strong, um, are <laughs> informed ones, I think. Great. I love it. I love it. And, you know, the thing, too, is that, you know, opinions like kittens, we're always giving them away. Uh, I say this every episode, too, that um, if we were to make this list, Today, next week, three months from now, three years from now, it would probably guaranteed be different. You know, this my list is not locked in stone. Uh, it's ever changing, depending on my mood or my experience with the album or my level of shame. Yeah, <laughs> well, I appreciate. You want to emphasize something that Shannon said at the beginning, and that is, she doesn't think that there are really bad Outcast albums. Um, yeah, something that I probably wouldn't say with such conviction uh, personally but um i i think that's important to say when you say that out of all those albums that you think none of which is bad you would rank that one last yeah go on go on we okay. need so toby, so toby <laughs> what what is your number six uh, southern playlistic cadillac music oh wow i'm sorry i think it's a great album but out of the ones that they have, I would rank it number six. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. Mr. Tobias Gruthal. <laughs> um, so my number six is Idlewild. And, you know, I'm sorry, Mr. Moffat. 
Cool. Well, Shan, what is your number uh, five? It's Idlewild. Okay, Idlewild. Um, is, is that your number five, too? My number five, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, Great. cool. Let's talk about it. Um, so, setting the table for it really quick, Idlewild was their sixth album. That was their last album. It came out in 2006. Um, has slew of producers. Wikipedia described this album as hip-hop, swing, delta blues, hot jazz, jump blues, and soul. The Wikipedia... We just jump. like to read them because they're so funny. Yeah, they're they're this one especially though is out of control. Like <laughs> out of control. This is the craziest. Can we just repeat that one more time? This album was described as hip hop, swing, delta blues, hot jazz, jump blues, and soul. And uh, it happens when you take Wikipedia as a reference. Well, yeah, that's very true. It's definitely not uh, citable, but I do, uh, I do think they forgot um, bluegrass in there and uh, you know country, <laughs> southern country. But um, yeah, there are a handful of singles on this one: uh, "Mighty O," "Morris Brown," "Idlewild Blues," uh, "Hollywood Divorce," "The Train." And um, so this movie was based on a soundtrack um, or the song, this album was the original soundtrack to an outcast film of the same name, Idlewild. Um, that being said, the movie Idlewild is more of a jukebox musical with all their big hints thrown in for good measure and feels very differently than the album is as a listen. Yeah. So yeah. have you seen the movie? I have seen the movie once, and I do have to say that I have limited appreciation for musical theater, um, but when I do consume it, I actually like it best in the form of films. I'm a big sucker for these Busby Berkeley um, musical scenes uh, that you have, and so I think that Idlewild, the movie, is not by any stretch of the imagination something that I could recommend to anybody who's <laughs> not an Outcast fan already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you enjoy Outcast and the occasional Moulin Rouge Chicago experience is something that you get a kick out of, then Idlewild is totally fun for an evening. Yeah, I think it's on HBO. I think I might try to watch it um, while I have HBO, but um that being said there there are like i looked at the album cover and was like oh no i don't know about this and turned it on i was like it's their last album like how good is it gonna be and then i turned it on i was like pleasantly surprised which is why i think it's five and not six for me personally i was like oh wow okay cool there's like a lot of good songs on here yeah and there were a lot of good guests yeah, there there definitely are a few really good songs. I mean, I think that Mighty O, I think that's the first track, is a great song. Uh, Morris Brown has some really, really catchy hooks. Um, and yeah, like like hearing Janelle Monet like pretty early in her career like in her career, um, on that song, uh, In Your Dreams. Call, I thought was, call the Law. Call the Law. Yeah. I think she's yeah, I think she's on a couple of guys. But um yeah, I think both of those. I, yeah, I mean, definitely had some highlights. I just, I, 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 I second what you were just saying. That to me, it felt like it was the end of their career a little in a lot of ways, and it kind of felt like there were definitely ideas that were present, but 
and good ideas that were there, but it was just kind of like, it was just too long for- all, all over the place. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it doesn't know what it wants as an album, uh, and it really feels more like a collection of random songs slash demos that they decided to put together. And I think it's very interesting that you guys say, yeah, there were good songs on there, here and there. Yeah, sure. But I can only say this again. When I listen to the album by itself, as opposed to watching the film, it feels like it's an album without the hits or the good songs. Um, not that there isn't anything on there. I personally really like Idlewild Blue. Um, with the blues guitar on it. Um, that was the one where I, I wrote down like country blues. <laughs> like yeah. that's I wrote that in my notes, country blues with multiple question marks because it was like, this is different. Yeah, but it's 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 one of the songs that for me personally really really works. Um, I also think that the song that has uh, Lil Wayne and Snoop on there, um, I just enjoyed that combination. I like loved that song. It came on and I was like, God, I don't understand this about myself, but I love Lil Wayne. Like for for like most of my like um, adult life, I've been like, what is going on with my love for Lil Wayne? I just, I just love him. So he came on, I was like, yeah, I love this. This is my favorite song on the album for sure. Yeah. All right. I don't, I don't get into Lil Wayne. I'm sorry. I just doesn't happen. Maybe a year or two down the line, we're gonna do uh, the big little wheezy um, <laughs> retrospective. I'm in. And then, and then my, we're gonna fight full of blood whether the Carter three is to be ranked higher than the Carter five. Um, yeah. Word. Um, I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's Idle Wild. Toby, uh, do you have any other thoughts about it? Anything else you want? Um, I do appreciate that they continue to try new things as a band, but maybe to just reiterate what you guys said before in so many other words, it's to me the classic example of this is how the world ends, not with a bang, but with a whimper, where it kind of just teeters out. It's not even this complete catastrophe. It's just that compared to the bar that it has been set before, it's a disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do think we should say, though, that Outcast didn't break up because of any drama. Um, they did kind of just kind of whimper out. And uh, I don't even know if whimper is the right word necessarily either because they had a lot of huge hits at that time. And... Um, there was a lot of controversy about whether or not they were going to break up. And I think, I think they kind of just went their separate ways because they wanted to do different things. I also have a little bit of trouble with the word break up. I think it's fair because I don't think we have to expect any more outcast music in the future, but that word seems to be so loaded, um, especially in the context of hip hop where you immediately have visions of, people taking pot shots at each other and weaving and generally behaving like big children in public. And they just stop making music. They play the occasional concert every now and then with each other or 
as you said, it's been a while, but uh, it's it's just yeah okay. So this band has ended. Yeah. Um, but there doesn't seem to be any like the cloth is not cut. It, nothing is really broken. The band just has ended. Right. Yeah. There was no like there was no drama. There was no. Uh, uh, this is the big breakup, the epic thing, the failure of whatever. It was just, yeah, yeah don't, we're, God, we're that done. Really, that really speaks to, like, such a good partnership through their career. It honestly and, like, does, yeah. And that they've been able to do so many creative things and go go in so many different directions and not, not have drama with it, too. Yeah, absolutely. Good for them. Okay, so um, I guess we'll go on to my number uh, five. Wait, um, wasn't that all of our number fives? No, my Idlewild was my oh, number right. six. Oh, right, okay. So my number five, um, which... the I This is the one where I'm kind of ashamed that it's so long. But <laughs> go on. Honestly, honestly, there's, honestly, there's only six, so something had to be at number five. So uh, Idlewild was always going to be my number six. And this one actually I had like a number three for a long time and it just fell down to number five. So mm-hmm. uh, that's uh, Aquamini. 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 Uh, that's Aaron Moffat. Woo! Likewise. Of course, I wouldn't have any other way. Um, Shannon, what is your number four? My number four is the love below slash speaker box. And I know that it's the other way around, but this is how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> that's also my number four that's where we're at right yeah that's my number four okay so, so I'm coming with my number four now is that yeah so we're, are we skipping that one sorry um, no I have it higher okay yeah so you got punted you got oh I'm sorry dear Shannon Woo! there you go <laughs> okay right. so what is what is your number uh, four Kobe um, so as I said before, so I'm playing Alyssa Catholic music is my six and my number four is Stankonia. I'm sorry, Miss Toby. Ooh, I am for real. Well, I'm also sorry, mostly for you. <laughs> oh, <dude. laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> We're breaking up the pod. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so um, I already said my number four was Speakerbox slash The Love Below. And uh, so, Shan, what is your number three? My number three is Southern Playlist of Cadillac Music. That's my number three, too. Wow, yeah. this is stupid. Southern Player Catalyst. We do Cadillac not collaborate. Music. We we don't even talk about outcasts. We actually really, really try to it's not talk about It's very hard it. to live with somebody and not talk about the band that you're both listening to. Well, on, the other hand, on the other hand, it can't be that hard to live with somebody who shares the same exquisite taste in music. Um, no, I, I, I like this album a lot. Uh, real quick, let me, let me uh, set the table for it. Um, Southern Player Catalytic Music um, was their first album. That's all one word, by the way. Uh, came out in 1994. Um, it was produced by Organized Noise. Wikipedia describes the genres as Southern hip hop. Uh, the singles are Players Ball, Southern Player Catalytic Music, and uh, Get Up <laughs> Get Up, Get Out. Um, it was on the uh, U.S. Billboard at number 20. And um, yeah, I think that um, there was kind of a, a little bit of backstory with um, 
with this album after it came out. Um, but we'll talk about that in a minute, uh, real quick. So Toby, you had this one um, as your number six. I did. Um, why, why did you have it as, as number six? Okay, I think that's because I got too much in my head about it. Uh, I should probably point out that I listened to that album a lot more, I have listened in the past a lot more than I would have listened to Idlewild and Stinkonia combined. I like this album a lot. I think it's a totally solid album, but the reason that I placed it so low is that in the context of this band, it is the most um, traditional yeah. album. Um, it doesn't do anything new or daring or wild in the way that even things that I think are failed, like uh, Idlewild and also Synchronia are. Um, Southern Playalistic Cadillac Music is a totally solid rap album for 1994. I think that the title track is great. Um, I love the way that they established themselves as, as rap personas on there. Um, I love that they have that um, Bone Thugs and Harmony-ish flow um, that they're rocking there, even before Bone Thugs became huge. And I um, also love that they have a Christmas song on the album. Like, Players Ball is a fantastic, great song. And I actually play it every year for Christmas. Um, <laughs> much to the chagrin of some of my family members. I'm going to add it to my uh, Christmas playlist for sure this year. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a great album. But again, it is so traditional in many ways that I just thought when I think about this band and what this band represents, I have to place it at number six. That's, that's really, really I interesting. I totally get that. I was on the same like um, kind of conflicted thought because when I was placing it so high, I was like, I don't know though. It's like a pretty straight rap album for, for who Outkast is. Yeah, totally. Um, but I always like have a soft spot for first albums, especially when a band like does a lot. I just like, I don't know, even when they morph a lot, I always, I, it's like something in me says, oh, but that first album really set the stage for their career. And I really respect it. And so that's, that's my thing. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I totally get where both of you are coming from. Um, I, I definitely had it a lot lower initially. I think I had it at number five for most of, most of the listening on this or number six when we had it at seven albums. But, um, but then I just kept coming back to it and like, this might be, this might be part of that. I had never heard it. You know, this is the first, I hadn't heard it before this, this listen through. And um, yeah, I mean, I totally hear that where it doesn't, it, it feels like a first album, you know, where um, I, I often, I'm kind of the opposite of Shannon where I kind of like, I kind of like put down first album sometimes where I'm like, yeah, but they were just getting started. Like they hadn't even figured out who they were yet. And I kind of feel like that's how this one is in a lot of ways. But that being said, I kept going back to it. And I think that they're just like the mood on this album is so good. 
and they really they really create it and yeah it's like it's it's right there with a lot of other 90s like hip-hop albums but like man like ain't no thing is is like it's a third track i think but it feels like it should be the opener because it's it sets the tone and it it feels so good and uh hootie who is one of the last songs on the album and to me like i feel like that's like almost a ideal song in some ways where like like the beat is just like the beat is just like consistent and smooth and it's got some awesome lyrics and i just like it's one of those songs where like i could just have that on like all day in the background you know i was like just i was just it. trying to cut in uh to to say most of what you said before there because i got also so excited who do you is one of my favorite outcasts oh. um it's kind of on perma rewind in the back of my head and i was getting really close of suggesting that as our punting phrase oh yeah oh yeah i just with you know three super white people would have felt like such a tool um, <laughs> whereas i feel much more comfortable with that big radio song yeah for sure uh yeah so um yeah so i don't know i really i i got into this one for that for that reason i just i just kept coming back to it i i listened to this one a bunch um i on that like i also i also like for me i had more re-listen qualities yeah like i'm i'm not gonna go back to that for sure um they do sound so young i think i just think it's kind of adorable how young they sound too i think they're like right out of high school yeah which is like also i always get like oh my god they're like 18 19 20 maybe like yeah. recording this great album like ugh. yeah and but then, I, you know, I do think that specifically rap music is a musical genre where a lot of people do all this amazing work when they're really, really young. Oh, totally. It's true for rock music in a, in a sense too, but I think rap music particularly with its, um, with this tendency to, to be progressive and regressive at the same time, um, really lends itself to people when they're 18, 19, 20 to just bust out these, these seemingly perfect masterpieces and then they age and you always feel, yeah, everything that came later is so-so. Which is something that I find really interesting about Outkast as a band, because I don't think that they really adhere to that pattern. Yeah. But when I think about like Snoop Dogg as an artist or Mob Deep um, or other bands in the genre, they always have these, these instant classics and then struggle a little bit later on. Nas. Yeah, yeah, Eminem. Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, you said before. Um, you said before that you wouldn't say that all of their albums are are good, and yet, like this one, it sounds like you have a lot of positive things to say, but you put it at as their number six. Yes. Like, do you think this is a bad album or like not a good album, or do you just think this one doesn't represent Outkast in the way that you think they should be represented? Yeah, I mean, who am I to say how Askas should be represented? I just think that they hadn't found themselves as artists yet by the time they made this album. And while it's a lot of fun to listen to, and while I would put it on a lot more than many of the other albums, I just think as an outcast album and what the band stands for, 
and what they ultimately did that I think sets them apart, it's not super representative. Sure. And that's, that's totally fair. Um, and I, I totally hear you. And it's, it's one of the, it's a very interesting thing about Outcast, I think, because I mean, in my opinion, we're going to get into it further. We're just scratching the surface a little bit, but like, I think that, I think that this album's, I mean, it's, it's kind of tight in my opinion, like the mood is there and like, that's kind of all you need for this album. Mm-hmm. And whereas like, I feel like on uh, some of their later albums, the singles, the songs are huge. They're explosive. They're all over the place. They're s- filled with ideas, yeah. but um, they're a little long and they could use a little bit of trimming down, mm-hmm. which almost makes them like bad, like albums in some ways. But, albums, yeah. Um, either way, um, what I was trying to, what I was bringing up before that um, I think is pretty interesting, at least in their place in hip hop. Like, so in 1995, the year after this one came out, uh, you wrote this in the show notes, but I like, I remember uh, I'm, I, I, I was reading or I watched a video about this. Um, they, they, they won um, Best Newcomer at the 1995 Source Awards. And mm-hmm. that was a big deal because that was like the hip hop show at the time, like Grammys weren't really accepting of hip hop at all. And uh, at that time in hip hop, it was so much East coast versus West coast. Like it was, you know, Wu-Tang versus NWA. And they like, you know, like two, the two coasts, like, I mean, they hate each other. Right. I mean, the rivalry was palpable. I, and, I think um, that this, this particular is so-called East coast, West coast rivalry was not quite there. Um, maybe dawning, but you're right in that New York City has been this this tentpole for rap music and all the important media that were sitting in New York at the time, right? If you wanted to make it in the genre, you had to make it in New York. And the West Coast had just come up as a as a nationwide phenomenon in the late 80s, thanks to NWA. And everything that followed after that, and then Dr. Dre inventing G-Funk, inventing and he, but anyway. So yeah, so you had these two big centers, New York and Los Angeles. And uh, you are right that nobody thought about Southern hip hop at the time, uh, Southern hip hop music. Um, And if so, then everybody would think about party music, right? There's also, I think it's very easy to say Southern hip hop and just mean Atlanta. Um, when there's, there's other centers, there's um, music from Texas, um, there's Louisiana, New Orleans, obviously. Um, there's, there's the Louisiana rap music that most people know, like Cash Money and, and Little Wayne, but there's also things like New Orleans Bounce. There's a lot of stuff, but in terms of mainstream visibility, there was New York, there was Los Angeles, and there was nothing else. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, anyway, so when, when Outkast won, though, they got booed, right? Like, yeah. like both, because it was like East Coast, West Coast, it was neither of them, and they, they all booed Outkast, right? And then Big Boy got on the mic, and he said, uh, I pulled up the quote here, he said, like, uh, the South got something to say, and that's all I got to say. And, uh, like, I think that that's kind of what put them, like, on the map in a lot of ways. Um, but... Anyway, let's move on. Um, that was Mia Shan's uh, number three. Uh, Toby, what was your number three? Um, my number three would... My number three? We haven't talked about my number four yet. We haven't? 
That would be Stenconia. Yeah, we skipped that. Oh, yeah, we, we skipped, skipped that, that one. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yes, um, my number three, uh, speaker box slash the love below. Cool. Let's talk about, Let's talk about it. it. So um, stay on the table really quick. Uh, speaker box slash love below came out in 2003. It was a double album. So uh, like I was saying before, speaker box uh, was big boys, half of the double album. And uh, the other side, the love below was Andre 3000's half of the double album. Um, <laughs> speaker box from Wikipedia was described as Southern hip hop slash P-Funk and it had the singles ghetto, ghetto music and the way you move and um, the love below um, Wikipedia described it as psychedelic pop, funk and electro jazz and it had the singles uh, Roses and Hey Ya. Mm -hmm. So um, Toby, you had this at number, number three um, and you're the one that had like a lot of like mixed uh, feelings about putting them together as one because in a lot of ways they are they feel like separate but at the same time they are can one. i just ask you guys to go through and say which which uh which album of the double album you uh connected to most love low definitely i personally am a big fan of speaker box but Obviously, the love below is the more daring record. Yeah, in terms of doing doing new things, um, it, it's not, and that's, that's not the same as asking like, who do you think is better or more important or like, you know, a better musician or anything like Big Boy or Andre. Oh yeah, definitely. It's definitely, kind of yeah. just more representative of where they are For in sure. two thousand three. But you are sort of posing that question implicitly when you ask that question. We talked a little bit about how unique feel that uh, Southern Playlistic Catholic Music is such a concise album, um, that, it's, that it's tight in a way that the later albums are not. And one thing we haven't even talked about yet is their production team, Organized Noise, who were largely responsible for the first couple of albums. Mm -hmm. And with each album, um, Big Boy and Andre became more of um, musicians in addition to being MCs and pop stars. And by the time we get to Speaker Box and The Love Below, they have wrestled themselves free, are at a point where they're doing their own music or working with other producers. And I think in large part, the reason that the later albums seem to be so all over the place is that you don't have this this one production team driving force necessarily behind it. And then the result that comes out of it is that they do an album that is a, a double solo album. And so you do have these, these individual musical visions of these two parts of, of the band that is outcast. And, I think to a large part, it's also a marketing thing. I mean, even really early on, right? They, they had this shtick where they had the guy that's more street and grounded and the guy that's more out there and they had this tagline of the player and the poet um, to market them. And people always talk about Andre 3000 as this musical genius that just 
opened rap music and made it complex in ways that were unthinkable before. And while all of this is maybe true, I also think that it always shortchanges Big Boy. And I understand that we get to talk about Outkast, but I just have some issues with this idea of Andre has done all of this and all the genius that is an outcast. And let's be honest here, when we talk about all the genius and outcast, then we talk about all the mainstream compatibility combined with some kind of vision of rap music that is not just rap rap, um, which in turn is stuff that's digestible for white mainstream America. Mm. And I think that's just so lame when you have on the one hand, Big Boy, who continued to just churn out albums and did an album with um, Phantograms together and is, has produced hits like um, Shutterbug, I think is such a hit, fantastic song. And Andre is like on television sometimes and is wearing a bow tie. And yeah. I, I just don't know. I, I, I you hear know, you, I hear you. I think it's that I'm taking when I say I'm, I'm standing up for speaker box but I'm still doing it. Yeah. Well, I power to you, man. Because uh, I mean, I, I, I don't think you're wrong. I, 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 I agree in a lot of ways. I mean, like, I feel like on, I feel like Big Boy is like the, like, the brains. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like he's, I really thought, I mean, for me, like not listening to a ton of Outkast and probably just being familiar with their singles coming into this, I was like, oh, I'm gonna connect with Andre more for sure that's the way it's gonna be and then through listening I was like Big Boy is like my preferred artist in the two like he's he's a better rapper he's like yeah. got so much creativity with, of his own like and you think about the two of them with yeah Andre being like the creative one quote quote um Big Boy I was like he his his rapping is like something I've never heard before like he's got such an interesting rhythm like I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. I feel like the thing is, for me at least, um, uh, Big Boy. Big Boy to me reminds me of like RZA or something, where he's like kind of the like backbone of the of the group. Where Andre is, he's got big ideas and he like makes them known. He's got like maybe maybe he's got more charisma, you know, where he's like more showy. But Guys, you um, know what this is? It's that. It's it's that uh, Andre is the Gemini and uh, <laughs> Big Boy is the Aquarius. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but uh, I mean, I don't know. I was I I I I I don't know. Um, Big Boy sings a lot. I mean, not Big Boy. Andre Andre <laughs> sings a lot. I think that's like what kind of uh, made him a little more mainstream. Maybe maybe got him more attention just because a lot at that time in two thousand three. A lot of rappers weren't weren't like singing. Um, that wasn't like a thing that they did, and um, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, all this being said, the Love Below is the better album. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, like, and that's the thing is like, yeah. At the end of the day, I can't help but be like, you know, again, we talked about Hey Ya already. Like Hey Ya is like amazing, and like Roses, another like huge single off the album is like is so hilarious like that song is like ridiculous like it's a song that has poo 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 in its hook line and everybody is singing it so good. 
It's so <laughs> funny. I was, I like, I texted Shan that the other day in like a weird sort of context. I was just like, I mean, you know, uh, you know, everyone thinks their roses smell, but you know, it's poo poo or whatever. But it's like, it's just, it's so funny. And there's like a lot of charisma there. And it's like, it's pretty sexy too. It's like a really, really sexy album. It was very it was, like Prince. I also, also want to make this really strong. I, I think She Lives in My Lap is one of the most beautiful pieces of music ever made. Um, it's so good. Yeah. So good. Um, this, this is a really good album. And yes, it is more daring. It has also just wacko stuff, like my favorite things on it. Uh, yeah. It's just so off the wall. I understand why one would gravitate to it. But I do think that in, in large part, it is also something that has to do with image and with the fact that Andre 3000 was the guy that was singing and was wearing knickerbockers and not a scary black man with a stripper pole at home. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that that's something that's just really uncomfortable. Sure. I mean, for me, a lot of it comes down to like <sighs> combining them at least. Like both sides were too long. <laughs> you know, like both sides uh, could have been trimmed up. Like both sides. I know if you're going to do a like, double yeah, album, neither, two hours and 15 yeah, minutes. Like neither side was a masterpiece. You know, like where, so. where if they took off like six songs on both sides it would have been tighter and it could have like been a lot more cohesive as an mm-hmm. album. Like I can't, I honestly can't imagine being like, Hey, I'm going to turn on speaker box slash the love below today and just listen to that for two and a half hours. You know, like I just, I can't imagine doing that. And yeah. which is why like maybe we should have mm. split them up, but like, you know, we didn't, but um, because that's not how they were released. But I think that's more like, I don't know. I think this more has something to say about 2003's state of hip hop than than anything else. Where it is definitely a time where everybody was coming out with 24 hour long uh, track long albums, yeah. um, millions of B sides. Everybody was really scared of what's the Napster. Oh, that's dead already. But the internet is destroying everything we had. Let's right. just make really, really long albums. And like the album, the album as an artwork might not be like as important during this time. Whereas like, you know, being cohesive with some of their other ones with one producer making it was important because like, you know, you turn on the CD and you listen to the CD all the way through rather than like, you know, you're going to pick out like six or seven or eight songs out of 25 Mm -hmm. and, you know, put those on a burnt CD and, you know, listen to that mix over and over. So, you know, that's, that's why I have this one you know, where I have it, which was, uh, number, number, number five. I had number four. five. Oh. oh no, I had number four. I'm sorry. Uh, I had number four just because I think the singles and the, the songs that stood out really stood out. You know I mean? Even, you know, on speaker box, you've got, um, war, which is a good song. You've got uh Bowtie and uh bust with killer Mike that like has like an awesome haunting production on it that like gets really angry, you know, like, yeah. I think is the right song too. 
yeah you know there's there's yeah there's there's a bunch of good songs on it i just don't think that like it it's as high and that's why i, I don't know i was flip-flopping between the love below and speaker box and the one i had previous just because i i didn't know which one it's like that that internal argument of like what's more important like the song or the album yeah and um I'm in retrospect so happy that we came down on talking about it as one album because what it really puts to the forefront is what Nick said earlier about if you could cut it down, you would have had a greater album. And it's just this point where you see that what makes this band cool is really those two minds working together in sync. And I, I really like big boys solo stuff. Um, I, I do enjoy it. As I said, I think he had some hits. He had also really creative albums. But when I think about what Outcast means to me as a listener, and that also has to do obviously with me listening to them as a teenager and at specific phases in my life. But it's just, it's, it's a completely different level. And on Speakerbox Love Below, you see that falling apart. And then it's just two things that are good whereas it could be one thing that could have been great yeah totally okay so with that i think uh we should take a little break just real quick uh gotta go uh take a quick break and then we'll be right back and we'll do our final three albums excellent i gotta go pee i have to pee like really fast i do too too much tea hi i'm nick moffett i'm derek i'm brandon I'm Sean. And we're the Monthly Movie Dispatch. We're old friends and we've been talking about movies for 15 years. On our podcast, we talk about the newly released movies coming out and we share our honest opinions about it. Like, for example, quick, speed round. Derek, signs are unbreakable. Signs. Sean, Schindler's List or Jaws? Schindler's List. And Brandon, Christopher Nolan or David Fincher? David Fincher. All right. So we're all over YouTube, Spotify, the Apple Podcast app, and anywhere else you can find an RSS feed. Hope to see you listening soon. Okay, so we're back, uh, and we have three more albums to go. So uh, we just did uh, Toby's number number three. three, and we already did my number three, which was uh, Southern Playlist Catholic Music. So, Shen, what is your number two? My number two was Aquamini. Okay. Mine, my Aquamini was earlier. I'm sorry, dear Shannon. <laughs> cool. Okay, cool. Very cool. Um, my number... Oh, Toby, so what's your number two? My number two is AT Aliens. Okay, that's that's my number two as well. Good job, guys. You made the right choice. Um, I just... Okay, so AT... No, I, I want you to go and trash that album now. <laughs> I have nothing trash to say. Okay, so AT Aliens uh, came out in 1996. Uh, it was produced by Organized Noise. Uh, Wikipedia described it as Southern Hip Hop. The singles were Elevators, Me and You, AT Aliens, and Jazzy Bell. And um, yeah, I think... Um, I think it should be noted that like you wrote in here that uh, visuals were super important for this album. Um, I didn't know this, Toby. Yet. There was a there was a twenty four page comic booklet that expanded the futuristic sci fi vibe of the album, and I definitely picked up on the sci fi stuff. And that was 
part of why I really liked about it was the all the cool sci-fi elements of this of this uh, album, the production, the stories and stuff. Um, but so you ha- have this one at number two. Um, what say you? Why do you have a number two? We talked before about what makes an album a good album, and I think this one is just so succinct in terms of mood. Um, in terms of creating one listening experience. That thing, just you put it on and it sucks you in and I wanna turn off the lights and just be like, feel being wrapped by the music like with a warm blanket. Yeah. Um, It is just this fantastic outer worldly listening experience to me where I go in on one side and I'm just there and I come out on the other. And it's just this whole album. I think it, it's funny that you talked about the singles because I think that this album, different from many others, doesn't really have many hits. Like AT Aliens obviously has to sing along chorus and whatnot. But yeah. um, it's just this 60 plus minutes listening experience as a as a whole. Like, yeah, when you want to use the term Gesamtkunstwerk uh, for something, I think that totally makes sense there, especially since in addition to just being so tight musically, um, it also came with the aforementioned comic book that just extends it as an experience. Yeah, um, and I, t- I totally hear that. I wrote um, in my notes that this album is so smooth it's so relaxing and I mean this in the best way possible that it almost turns into background music, you know, like not in a bad way. It just like, it sets the mood of your life when you're listening to it. You know, I mean, I mentioned it earlier to dope boys and Cadillac. Um, I think it's one of those like songs that makes you feel cooler when you're listening to it. Like, you're just like, Oh, hell yeah. Like, I just, I'm cool, you know, just because I'm listening to this and, you know, that's just, that's just made up, but I, I, I think some songs do that. And that's one of the rare songs that does that. And, um, you know, for me personally, this kind of, uh, falls into like the kind of, the kind of rap that I really get into the more like philosophical sort of rap, the more like storytelling sort of rap, um, you know, leaning closer to a tribe called quest than like gangster rap. And, um, I, I felt like they were kind of, I don't know, moving away from gangster rap and kind of more embracing sort of philosophical type stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I got really into this one. That's super cool guys. <laughs> cool. What is it that you weren't feeling about? I mean, it? For me, it was just like, um, just first listen i'd never heard it before and i just like didn't connect with it as easily um yeah i mean like it had some great songs and i love that song jazzy bell i think that's probably my favorite song on the album and yeah you know it, i i kind of feel like nick describing it as like yeah the mood it sets it it kind of turns into background music like that was almost like my problem with it is that like i listened to it and i just like a lot of it like I can't recall yeah do you, you know what I mean like you just wanted more <laughs> sorry yeah. guys I knew it was wrong when I put it in number six but I had to do it because that's just how it struck me uh yeah. you're not feeling it you're not feeling it but that comes back to 
yeah, the mood that it creates. And, and Nick said something about how it's a type of rap that he can connect to a lot more than um, gangster rap, which I guess is something where you come at it from a lyrics content perspective. Is that right? Yes and no in some ways. Like I, I, I don't even think I'm necessarily like talking about lyrics as much. Like I wouldn't be able to pull out any lyrics specifically and tell you um, any specifics. But I guess more of what I mean is, um, here's here's what I mean. Like I made I made a playlist like in the last two weeks when we were listening to Outcast, and yeah. on the playlist is Tribe Called Quest, Del the Funky Homo Sapien, uh, Diggable Planets, Jizza. Uh, you know, just from his um, Liquid Swords album, and yeah. uh, and then like a bunch, and then like a f- the Roots, and then like four tracks off of AT Aliens. Uh-huh. You know, and like that to me is like the playlist that I was just like listening to a bunch. Like I also have an Outcast playlist, but you know that's like that's just what I do with every band that we go through with this sort of thing. But yeah. that was like something that I would turn on basically every single time I would go outside and smoke weed. And Perfect. just like turn that on, go outside, smoke weed, listen to just some really chill out, awesome music. And then. Oh, okay. Okay. You know. This is something very different that I thought you were going um, with. <laughs> no, it's just because people often say, Ooh, yeah, I like um, this type of rap with gangster music. I don't know. Um, and to me, it's the same argument when people go, Yeah, I like graffiti if it's beautiful. And that's not like cutting it. Like gangster rap is also a political act. And I oh, was, yeah. was hoping to um, to talk about this later with Stinkonia, where you before said it's political, but not overtly so at the very, very beginning of tonight. Um, but the, the thing about rap music is like, even when 50 Cent is just talking about like shooting everybody and driving around in a car, that's also, a political act, right? It yeah. also happens, it also happens to be a multi-billion dollar industry that puts forward a lot of garbage messaging. Uh, but it is also at the same time and always a message of I am here. And, and that in and of itself is something that's so important, specifically in this culture and specifically coming from black people. Yeah. In on on AT Aliens, there's also a lot of real garbage messaging. Um, this is uh, did you, did, Shan? Did you say you really like Jazzy Bell? I did like that song. Yeah, isn't that the song where they talk about like women that are assertive and make decisions about their sexual life are awful and ruin uh, everybody? Um, so I I do think that it's not so much about the messaging, right? But right. Think about this revolutionary idea. What if music could communicate an emotion? And I think that that's something that AT Aliens does so well, right? Um, it communicates an emotion. I'm sorry, I didn't hold up my sarcasm sign when I said that originally. Um, I and yeah, don't. I hope you're not getting me wrong. Like you know, I like I think that like you know, NWA like Straight Outta Compton is one of the most brilliant albums of all time because it's like it to me it's like punk rock it's fighting it's a system but it's also like sampled with some of the most beautiful music 
like ever you know it's like angry and violent and gorgeous and like on some level like peaceful even though it's like you know about like fuck the police and stuff you know it's it's very like contradictory you can say on your podcast sorry yeah i mean i you know whatever <laughs> yeah we'll put the parental advisory sign on it i guess but you know what i mean like we're like oh uh, my god speaking of which i accidentally turned on the like the clean at aliens <laughs> the first time i listened to it i was like this doesn't seem right yeah um so it's not that i'm like anti like uh you know um gangster rap or whatever and i don't even know if i like I feel like that I feel like that whole gangster rap sort of like thing was like almost like white America like branding it as like bad music you know more so than anything else but um no I just really like how how this album makes me feel I guess is what I was really trying to say before yeah uh, you know it creates a mood and the mood is just gosh just makes me just makes me feel it i don't know yeah yeah no and i think we're just right there next to each other and on at the same time i understand shannon also when she says i can't get into it because it is this it's it's this one mood right that it creates and that's that's where you are and if that's not for you then it's not for you i also have obviously very um strong emotional um and a very strong emotional connection to it because AT Aliens was a song that was played at all the clubs in Berlin all the time around the time that I started to go out with my friends. And sometimes we would be able to sneak into the club and sometimes the uh, person at the door would say, no, there's just stupid kids. Um, but so to me, that's also so tied up with this emotion of, ooh, look how cool I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> like acne covered face hanging awkward by the side of the dance floor not knowing what to do with myself right. yeah so cool you were so cool toby <laughs> <laughs> yeah you still are um cool so uh yeah that's at aliens that was my and toby's number two um shan what was your number one <gasps> As my number one. Sorry again, Toby. It was Stankonia. Yeah, I mean, clearly it was my number one too. I haven't, I haven't mentioned it either yet, and I'm like so, I'm, 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 I'm feeling a little embarrassed about it just because. Uh, Where did it fall on your list, Toby? Um, it was a four, but I bumped it up from five because really, Idlewild is so little to excuse to make. It <laughs> um, but I. I have so little love for Stinkonia. Right. Like, I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like you really don't like this album where like maybe you respect it more than you. I don't, I'm, I shouldn't speak for you at all. Um, I'm, I'm most, I'm more curious about why, to, what Toby's feelings are about this album yeah. than about my personal taste with yeah, this album. So, um, Toby. Oh, but you, you just summed it up there that I respect it more than I like it kind of like Joe Biden being president. Um, it's just like, I, I can appreciate it for, again, being daring. But we talked before about artists in rap music often coming out with these classics and then always running after those for the rest of their career. 
And I feel that there are a couple of artists, um, like when I think about contemporary artists like Tyler, the creator or Vince Staples, I think they get better and better still. And to me personally, Outcast grew and my personal opinion, Equimini is where they had the perfect balance between mainstream accessibility and pop structures and um, music that I found edgy and interesting enough to listen to. And Stankonia is obviously their big breakthrough album where all of a sudden there are major pop stars. And you can see a couple of things prefigured there that we'll then see on the Love Below and Speaker Box again that I think are cool. And for instance, I, I think um, Bombs Over Bacterat is, is awesome. And when you listen to the drums there, I hear Hey Ya in it. Um, Gasoline Dreams, I think, is a really cool opener. But that's more or less where it stops for me. I like the CeeLo feature too, um, just for the courtesy of CeeLo being an awesome musician that I enjoy listening to. Um, but how do you mess up having Be Real on your album and making a boring track? And we can talk about Miss Jackson if you want to, but I don't need to talk about that song. Is that just uh, because you've heard it like 10 million times and you're just like, you could never, you could, you could just not hear that song again? Or do you actually you like... I die happily if I never have to listen to this song again. And it's not even that it's a bad song. During our warm-up, you were talking about how you really enjoy the song and put it on. And it's a classic example for me of, here's a song that's fine. I actually really appreciate slash really like that it's a song about a topic that you don't get that often. That's what I was just going to say is that I think, I think it's a really, um, I don't know, I want to say, I think it was actually a really important pop song in a lot of ways because it, it was, it's like about something that you don't really yeah, hear about. It's like almost like, uh, I don't want to say it's a non-masculine concept, but it is like sort of a, like, um, it's a, like a letter to someone who you don't ever get to hear their voice of um just in the fact that you know it's it's about um a relationship falling apart but like apologizing to the the mom rather than the person who was actually in the relationship i so agree with you and when you just struggled with that term for how to describe it in with regards to masculinity uh, i think that's where we really at the heart of why I personally think that Outkast were so fantastic and important. It, it's that it's not about being non-masculine, but defining or redefining what it can mean to be a man in this society. Um, and I think specifically as somebody who, who didn't always grow up in the United States, um, I think that our gender expectations and roles in, in American society are so much more rigid than they tend to be in, the, in Europe or where I grew up. Um, and they're twice as rigid in many regards for people of color because you're so, like, if you want to make it in a society, right, you have to be white um, or at least 
digestible for white people. Mm -hmm. And that also means to adhere to a very specific box. And so to have these two people that um, just break that up and are mainstream pop stars at the same time, I think that's what's really important about Outkast, but it doesn't change the fact that I don't need to listen to this song again. And, no, and, that, and that, that's totally fair. I mean, that's like me never needing to hear uh, all small things ever again. <laughs> but, you know, uh, for me, like, I, I think this album's just like a masterpiece in some ways. And um, I mean, I really, you know, I think that me having it number one does have a lot to do with I'd heard it a bunch before, you know, so I was predisposed to have it be number one, have it yeah. be up on top of my list. Whereas like, you know, again, like in a year from now, AT Aliens or Equemini maybe like might be much higher, but like, I really feel like with Equemini, I didn't have enough like, you know, emotional time to mm -hmm. like really like be into it the same way that you're into it or someone else might be into it but like i think stankonia does some really really interesting things i mean i forgot to set the table for this album but like you know uh i think this is the first album where they like um took a step further than just being southern hip-hop you know like wikipedia described it as psychedelic funk and I think that there are like elements of different types of music in this album that were not present with uh, their first few albums. This is their fourth album. And like, I, and it just feels like they were ma more mature as musicians and yeah, they expanded and be they became pop stars through it. But I think that also was because they were better mu mu musically and mm -hmm. um, it just, it kind of all came together because I don't know, for me, it was like, with with speaker box and love below they like went a little too far you know where they like they kind of they were all over the place full of ideas bouncing off every single wall but it was all over the place and stankonia still like it had a lot of ideas all going all around it but it still was like you know tight enough to make it like a cohesive like awesome album through and through and you know you know i'm sorry but like so fresh so clean that song's great. It's like so good. And yeah, I love Bombs Over Baghdad. Like the song's great too. And um, yeah, the drums on it. You know, I'm a sucker for, you know, you know me, I'm all about Run the Jewels, like having Killer Mike show up as in one of the more weirder songs I've ever heard. Is that Snapping and Trapping? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that beat yeah. is out of control. It's super weird. And, you know, I, I that another one I wrote, uh, God damn, the beat on Humble Mumble is something purely unique. Oh, and I love Erica Badu too. Yeah, you know, like that song is like slimy and poignant and catchy. And then Erica Badu comes in and she's just so beautiful. You know, she's just beautiful. And um, before they needed to write Sorry, Miss Jackson. Yeah. So. I don't know. I just felt like this album was firing on all cylinders, and it just uh, it just came together. That's yeah, I don't know. I I liked that it was like a pretty um, like the concept of it kind of revolving around like America and dreams and what that means to people. Like I thought that was fun and uh, interesting. But that's me also listening to these all pretty much for the first time so that was uh, very digestible <laughs> maybe that's not the worst 
seg into the last album um, that we need to talk about in that it seems to all be coming down to us having, or at least Nick and I having very similar emotions, um, but pinpointing them at different um, moments on the timeline in that it's about the sweet spot between musical vision and cohesiveness and experimentation. And for Nick, it seems like that sweet spot is just where Stinkonia is. And for me personally, that's what makes Aquimini so great. Yeah. Uh, should I set the table for it? Yeah, <laughs> for do it. So Aquemini uh, came out in 1998. Um, uh, this was their third album. It was produced by Organized Noise, um, Southern Hip Hop. The singles were Rosa Parks, Skewed on the Barbie, and The Art of Storytelling, uh, part one. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think all three of those songs are fantastic. And uh, Toby, um, what do you think? I agree with you. All three of those songs are fantastic. And, and a lot of songs are fantastic off this album. I don't mean to say yeah. just those three, but you know. Where, did, where I, was it on your list, Nick? I mean, I had it. I had it too low. This I'm was, sorry, I was not trying to call you out. I know, I know. It felt like it though. I had <laughs> well, it. Number, guess what? I had it at number five, and you know, just it was one of those things where it really. I. I mean, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been four, and also again, like in a year, it could be number one. I I just don't know where I'm at a little bit, but. Um, it it really uh like rosa parks is a really really good like that song is really cool and i think uh, toby this is kind of kind of be a weird thing to say but i feel like our emotions of what we're talking about might just be the difference between 1998 and the year 2000 I you know are totally onto something there yeah. well just because i mean a lot changes in hip-hop in just a few years right and like Stankonia is like really poppy and has a lot of crazy ideas. And Quemini, I feel like, still isn't that poppy at all. You know, it's like the their first three albums, I would say, are like not even close to pop music, and they're just like you know solid hip hop albums. Whereas, uh, like, Quemini is probably the one that's most full of ideas out of those three. Um, yeah, and you said they are um, most traditional. That is true, but I think you could make the argument that at least with the singles, we are also beginning to see that kind of lustful experimentation. Rosa Parks, for instance, has a blues harp solo um, in the last third, where um, the beat stops for a moment, you have these hand claps, and I don't know many other songs from that period or before that would have dared to do that. Yeah. But well, you are right cool. in that maybe it's uh it's just that difference of the of the few years and me um just being a little bit older. I definitely have to say that it also has just like AT Aliens, these very specific personal memories that are also edged in my brain, um, so me with my Walkman and my tape going to school on the bus in the wintertime and listening to that album. Um, this was around the time, so the thing came out in 1998, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so this was also the time when we started to have the ability to copy CDs. And I remember my, my friend Sasha making a copy of the album for me and us being unable to fit the whole album on there because we didn't have 80 minute blank CDs yet. And yeah. so I needed to make a decision if I wanted to have Liberation off or Chunky Fire at the end. And I think my copy of Equimini until I finally bought my own album and ended after Liberation. Um, I remember drawing on it and um, going to the photocopy shop and making copies of the copy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember the, uh, those old days where, like, you know, you burn the CD wrong and you think that, like, the opening track is the opening track, but it was actually the last track. You know, you just were confused your whole, like, for yeah. years about it. Like, yeah. Um, that's great. I loved the song Return of the Jade on this album. Mm -hmm. I don't know, like... Speaking of also the, with like alternate candidate for greatest opening, gosh, should be. Huh? It was really hard. They have a lot of good opening tracks. Um, no, speaking of like uh, you know ideas of masculinity, I do like when he's like, "What's up with Andre? Is he a cult? Is he gay? Is he on drugs? Like, what's going on?" Um, and like again, between you know, in '98 when when he's still, I don't know, putting out these less poppy albums, I guess. That was, was something I was kind of fun. Yeah, no, totally. And uh, we, we talked about this before a little bit, but really this, this idea of what can a man and specifically a black man be in the United States. And I um, talked to a friend recently who just was asking me about this podcast that we're going to record. And I was talking a little bit about my ideas um, about it and that I really wanted to talk about uh, on the one hand about masculinity and on the other hand about this way in which they were stylized at these two poles um, along a spectrum of, of identity and that they had the, the grounded street person to make the act sellable and then you had the out, out there person and they said well what would be a good um, place to start with and I said maybe you want to check out the Rosa Parks video. And I just rewatched it today. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but it starts with them talking about what the video should be like. And then it starts and Big Boy is driving this car into a parking garage and is getting out in a suit. And Andre is wearing some kind of pants with feathers and <laughs> the shoulder pads of a football player and nothing else under it showing off uh, his belly and dancing around. And it's just this, this jarring contrast. Yeah. Um, it's also what makes it possible that, that um, shows like Kim Peel can make a sketch. Uh, I don't know if you guys know about this, the Kim Peel um, Outcast reunion. No. Sketch. I don't think I've seen this one. Sounds yet. great. <laughs> um, do you want me to ruin it for you or do you just want to get look into it afterwards. Oh my god, we might have to just look into it. I mean, you can ruin it for us. Okay, That's fine anyway. it. okay it's just um, <laughs> Big Boy trying to have a coffee at some coffee shop and Andre comes in dressed like an elf um, and orders a double cream frappuccino mocha latte in a vase with green food coloring. Um, 
and is asking a big boy why he just doesn't want to do the band anymore um, <laughs> when they could just use their third eye to see the vision of music and it's just being really weird the whole time before yeah. skipping away. Yeah. And it only works because people have these perceptions of these people as, as being these archetypes. When, as I said before, neither of them really is. Well, I mean, that's the whole notion of outcast, right? Like, you you can listen to this, you know, you're going to get it if you're an outcast. Like, you know, um, and like, I guess, like, the spectrum doesn't really exist in that. <laughs> no, they just dare to be fully formed human beings um, that also happen to be pop stars. And I, I think that's what I really like about them as personalities, in addition yeah, yeah. to their music. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're great. Um, they're really, really great. Um, so, I mean, I think at this point we should just, uh, we should combine our, our lists and uh, make a, a, an ultimate um, outcast ranking. Um, I feel like it's going to be tough. Um, just because I ruined it. No, no, not because you ruined it. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I didn't mean, but yeah, I mean, just that, like, um, it's, uh, it's tough because me and Shan both had um, Stankonia number one. And like, uh, I feel like our guest, I, I don't, I don't want to have our n collective number one album be an album that, uh, our guest, um, who has much more knowledge of of Outcast than than we do, um, as like our number one. So like, but, I'd rather have Stankonia be number two, and and then Aquemini would be number one. Um, where did you have Aquemini, Shan? Two. I'd be okay with Aquemini slipping in number one. I if, just um, want to acknowledge that people that know a lot more about music and about Outcast than I do would also easily rank Stinkonia at number one and that it's generally acknowledged as a masterpiece. And I think it just had its 20 year anniversary. Yeah, um, Spotify, I saw on Spotify, they had um, like the 20th anniversary, they have like a new version of the album out or whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, so because, because on a personal note, as you guessed, um, oh, I forgot how you phrased it. You wouldn't want Stinkonia to be at number one if I feel very different. On a personal note, I wouldn't want Stankonia to be in the top three um, if it's our collective top three list. But I also <laughs> think that um, it, it would be completely unfair to the album. So I obviously personally have feelings. But with two people and the rest of the world believing that Stankonia is this amazing thing that I just maybe slept on um, because at the time I was listening to different music. Um, and I was like 20 years old and I was listening to adult stuff like jazz. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think it's, uh, I, I mean, I think, I think it'll be fair if we put um, Aquamanai number one um, because Shannon had number two and I had it at an unfair spot. Whereas, um, uh, whereas like, um, uh, okay. we're just like, you know, Stankonia, um, it would be unfair to us as a collective, not yeah. just the album's general perception that it, if it was out of the top three, just because we did have a number one. So um, whatever, I'm writing it down, guys. So, it's about to be set in stone. Okay. Number one. Much more interesting though. What is number three since 
A.K. Aliens is a negligible piece of elevator music, huh? I think I think, <laughs> I think A.K. Aliens has to be number two because both of us had it at number two. Wait, but it has I thought to be number three. Stink or number three. Be. That's yeah, what I meant. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we yeah. had it at number. Like, there's nothing. There's nothing that would be higher. Hmm. Just because, like, yeah, Shannon had it lower, but there's only six albums. Like, yeah. you know, it'd be different if she had it at like number twelve or something, but. Out yeah. of six, it's like there's only there's only six. So cool. Um, What's number four then? Speaker box. Yeah. Wish the love below, or as you would like to call it, the love below slash speaker box. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it would have. Or southern playlist of Cadillac music. Yeah, it'd either be southern. So with southern playlist, we had that we had that three three six, and then speaker box we had four four three. So what what beats it? I feel like that means the speaker box, or you know, speaker box is next, and then southern playlist. Okay, yeah, let's go for that. Are you good with that, Toby? Um, I'm good with either option because I think the sheer fact that the one Outcast album that my grandma would have been able to mention is not in our top three gives us all the hipster cred that we need for tonight. And with that, <laughs> I'm going to open. My first craft beer of the night. Nice. Oh, good. Right. <laughs> cool. And then, yeah, I don't want. I don't want. Okay. So, um, Shen, do you want to list them off, and I'll I'll do the countdown. Wait, you're gonna do the numbers? Yeah, I'll do the numbers. Sounds great. Okay, Outcasts top albums ranked. At number six, we've got Idlewild. At number five, we have Southern Playlist to Cadillac Music. Number four, Speaker Box, The Love Below. Number three, AT Aliens. And number two, Stankonia. And the number one Outcast album is Aquemini. Thanks for being on the show. Appreciate it. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, yeah, this was fun. I feel like I learned a lot about Outcasts and, uh, I'll, uh, I feel I learned so much about my friends. Thank you for letting me be here. Yeah, I don't know if that was a good thing. <laughs> Only good thing. So, uh, yeah, anyway, so thanks for being on the pod and um, stay tuned for what uh, we're going to be reviewing next or we're going to be going over next. And in the meantime, uh, this has been uh, the show where we uh, go over our podcasts without <laughs> a name. And, uh, Hope everyone had a good time listening. Thank you for listening to our episode about Outcast. That was our season one finale. We will be back very soon with our season two, quote unquote, opener. And that will be just me and Shan talking about our favorite band, Modest Mouse. So thanks for listening. Have a great day.